As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Welcome to the Audible, presented by Trader Joe's. I'm Stuart Mandel, joined as always by Bruce Feldman. Bruce, the big story in college sports this week does not involve X's and O's, uh, whatever you want to say, on-field football. It's the Big Ten TV deal, and the, and the not I wouldn't say it's shocking, but it's significant, the fact that ESPN won't be part of it. We're bringing on somebody who's much smarter about sports TV than we are, John Oran from Sports Business Journal, to talk about that in a minute. But first... Big day, big day in your world, a big day on a lot of fans' worlds once a year. It's Freaks List Day. Freaks List is out on The Athletic, theathletic.com slash the audible. If you're not a subscriber and you want to read it and you want to learn about the, the best athletes in college football coming into this year. So why don't you start out telling us about our your number one guy for this year? Okay, Stu. My number one guy was not expected to be my number one guy until about three days ago. And that's Mozzie Smith. I think most Big Ten fans know who he is. He's a big defensive tackle for Michigan. He's been a really solid player. Um, he's about 20 pounds heavier now. Uh, it's 6'3", 337. But when I was talking to the longtime strength coach, Sarah Ben Herbert, who has been, you know, he was at Wisconsin previously, he was at Arkansas. He's been around a lot of elite big guys. Um, he just started gushing. Uh, we were talking about some other athletes and he just started talking about Mozzie and his strength. Some of the numbers just kind of blew my mind. And I've obviously been doing this for almost 20 years. One of the things that really popped out does 22 reps of 325 on the bench. I mean, 22 reps for 225 isn't a lot for a D lineman, but it's, it's a lot for almost anybody else. But 325, um, that's almost unheard of. To close grip bench press 550 pounds for anybody who lifts a little bit, that's also kind of mind mind blowing. Um, you know, just just crazy, crazy uh, numbers. Um, you know, and then you get into some of the stuff that like are things that normal you know workout people don't do. Michigan has these reactive. Um, plyo steps that they and they were first they explained it to me and then they sent me video to show what it is fortunately we were able to include this video with the story so the stairs 
are 26 inches high. You know, that's not the stairs in your house, right? And basically it's it's looks like a guy doing seven broad jumps as fast as they can up the stairs. And the Michigan record was set this uh this offseason by Roman Wilson, who's about a half a about almost half the body weight of Mozzie Smith. And he did it at 2.21 seconds. Mozzie Smith did it 282 which is almost similar number to what Aiden Hutchinson did, who was a top five freaks guy for us last year. Aiden Hutchinson's 60 pounds less. Um, and then there's this, this other machine that they have, which basically um, kind of is what you would, the way they use this combo twist machine, it almost looks like a lap machine you would see in the gym. And, and they basically said, it's like, who can resist being twisted and who can twist people? The machine is only supposed to go up to 600 pounds capacity. Well, for Mozzie Smith, that wasn't even challenging. So they had to make it heavier and try to find a way to load more weight, even though it wasn't built to accommodate it. They called the manufacturer to see if there was a way they could extend it. They said, no, they didn't think that was possible. It wasn't needed. So they they contracted out somebody else, got it loaded to 800 pounds. You can see video of, of Mozzie just throwing this weight around. And if you do look at the story, look at the faces of his teammates as they're watching this happen. They're just an amazement. These are not like guys on the street. These are big time college athletes who are watching this guy do this. So for me, he turned out to be a no brainer number one choice. All right, it's a it's a you know rivalry uh, at the top of the list because number two is an Ohio State guy. And what's crazy about this to me is it's an Ohio State receiver, and it's not Jackson Smith and Jigba who you know the preseason overwhelming favorite for the Blitnikoff Award. It's Marvin Harrison Jr. How is this possible? Well, Jackson Smith and Jig was obviously a you know outstanding player, and he's a better receiver. But this guy is much bigger and honestly much stronger. And the numbers he puts up, he's even faster, right? So he is six three and a half, two oh six. Bench is almost four hundred pounds. His his pro shuttle time is a sub four oh, which is which is really moving almost 11 foot on the broad jump and 23 miles per hour on the GPS. I mean, let's say this, this is the freakiest receiver that Ohio state has had in this run. And that's saying something, obviously for wow. people to remember Marvin Harris, that's a bold statement. Yeah. Look, his dad, Marvin uh, senior or Marvin Harrison who played for the Colts was a great player out of Syracuse. Not this big was really smooth, terrific route runner. Um, and, and look, Marvin Harrison Jr., if, if you remember the Rose Bowl, he went off in that game. I mean, obviously, Jackson Smith did and Jigba did too, but he had 11 catches and three touchdowns in that game against the Utes. So keep an eye on him. There's a lot of buzz out of Columbus. And, and so when I talked to their coaches there, they were like, you know, there's plenty, including the other Harrison on the other side of the ball who has legit track, you know, from uh, cred from his high school at 6'6 and 270. But this is the guy that Mickey Marotti, the longtime strength coach there, said he's our biggest freak. So I want to ask you about one team in particular, and that's Oregon. Obviously, Mario Cristobal left, but not before recruiting a bunch of really physical dudes. The most obvious one, Noah Sewell, who will probably be an All-America candidate at linebacker, but he is just one of four Oregon players that show up on this list uh what is going on in the Oregon weight room well it's interesting Stu because right I agree with Noah is the headliner he's been the best player of this group uh Justin Flo but he's not the highest rated to be he clear. is not and look Justin Flo 
who was probably the biggest name recruit because he was had kind of a Jefferson from Fast Times at Ridgemont High kind of quality in his highlights in L.A. when he was a linebacker there. Uh, and he had a great fresh, great first game when they played Fresno State. And then he got hurt and was out for the rest of the year. Both those guys are on there. But the guy who is who is the top five guy on my list is DJ Johnson, who started out at Miami. And when I saw when Dan Lanning told me DJ Johnson's numbers that he got from the, the strength coach, it kind of blew one number in particular blew my mind. And that was that he almost ran 23 miles per hour on the GPS. He is 6'4", 275 pounds. He bench presses 455 and deadlifts 655. Those numbers are crazy, but the, for a 275-pound guy to run almost 23 miles per hour on a GPS is, it feels like it's unheard of. Now, he he was a beast in their spring game, had five tackles for losses and four sacks. But as you well know, Stu, you watch a lot of spring games. It's a little different when it comes to sacks in a spring game, right? I mean, they're tag sacks or whatever they are. Right. But if, and this is a big if, because this guy's been hurt a bunch. He came from Miami. He's played on both sides of the ball, tight end, outside linebacker. If DJ Johnson can finally stay healthy, you're going to have him. We know how good Sewell is. We think just, Justin Flo is really good. The other guy, Christian Gonzalez, you know, crazy athletic cornerback who's got really good size, transferred from CU. And then you add in Brandon Dorless and Mace Funa, who are other big physical athletic guys. I mean, that's six really special players for Dan Lanning to, to build his new defense around. I mean, whenever Mario Cristobal would talk about what he felt like he left behind, um, and he would talk about it where I was like, okay, I know they recruited well, but then the more you talk to people there about just how physically gifted some of these guys are and they were younger players right obviously you mentioned Panay was the first big time guy he had that he recruited because before that you know he inherited Herbert um and then you got you know Kayvon Thibodeau but now it's this group and what can they do and that's why I was like all right I guess I'm going all in on on I'm, I'm really interested to see what they have uh especially what DJ Johnson does this year all right, the last guy I want to ask you about who stood out to me, Andre Yosevis, wide receiver for Princeton. He's number 15, the 15th freakiest athlete in the country, plays for an Ivy League school. How is that possible? Well, he came from Punahou High School in Hawaii, which has had a lot of big-time guys come through there. Uh, he is a one of the top uh, track athletes in the country finished fourth in the, in the country in the heptathlon and ran the fastest 60 meter dash time in, in NCAA heptathlon history. So this guy, you know, is just a great all around. He's big. He's six, three, two Oh five. When I talked to his, his position coach, Brian Flynn, uh, one of the things he, he walked me through was it was like this guy i said how do you think you do in the combine he go i think he will tear it up because he basically trains for it almost every day and so you know he was kind of texting with andre when we were talking about this and he said he goes his 60 yard dash time he thinks by his own estimation would actually correlate to like a four two something 40 but he was like well that's also on you know coming out of blocks and on a track so it's probably a little dubious but you know, again, this guy vertical jumps 39 inches. He reminds me a little bit of Tanner Connor. I don't know if you remember that name. He was a great player at FCS for Idaho State, who also had had big time track uh, cred. And because that's what he did, it wasn't just a guy who ran track in high school. 
He was a, you know, he was a terrific, terrific track athlete. And this kid's not quite as big. He's probably 15 pounds lighter, but sounds like he might be a touch faster. So um, I got a couple of freaks from the Ivy League. There's another one, Thor Griffith, who is a 300 pound uh, defensive tackle who's strong, who's a 500 pound veteran, would get up at 3 a.m. and drive over 60 miles every summer day to go train from New Hampshire to go just to go train with his teammates at Harvard in the morning. So um, one thing I was really proud of with this, um, and especially in the last couple of years when we started doing with the athletic was this thing has grown so much being the freaks list. And a lot of it is really opened up to beyond just FBS football. I think when, when people, if they haven't looked at it yet, they're going to see a lot of schools that maybe they've never heard of. I'll be honest, one of the schools I've never heard of until last Saturday morning, every year I do calls with certain NFL scouts. And when I did my call with Jim Nagy, who runs the senior bowl, you know, we, it's a, oh, I always love that conversation because we end up talking about a lot of guys and some of it is related to freaks and some of it's not, but as we're on for two hours and he told me about an offensive lineman from Quincy university in Illinois, I'd never heard of it. Um, was able to get a hold of uh, the coach of the player I wanted to talk to. And, um, you know, really it kind of went from there. And I just feel like nothing gives me a better jump on an upcoming season than working on this. You've never really, heard, you've never heard of Quincy university for this. No, should I have, I'm, I mean, uh, the reason I no, I don't know. The reason I do is in college, my roommate, still very good friend, Brett Curland, uh, Every in Medill in journalism school, you would go do a, a residency somewhere, an internship, and his was in Quincy, Illinois, and that was the main team he was covering. That's that's how. Maybe, and I guess I just assumed everybody knew who they were, but my bad. Um, and I'm trying to see who the most prominent alums from this school are, <laughs> and I don't know if I know anybody. I recognize the name Rick Hummel because he was a longtime baseball writer. Um, and I don't got much more than that. They're what level are they? FCS? No, they're um, they're Division Two. Okay. Well, look, I don't claim to be an encyclopedic uh, expert about Division Two football, so that might have just been a random one that I happen to know about. Um, all right, people need to go to the Athletic to read the full freaks list. I have to say, I'm not just saying this because because you know I want to stay on Bruce's good side. The freaks list. Uh, first of all it's one of the most popular stories we run all year and it's an enduring, uh, you know, staple of yours for two decades. Um, but the amount of work you put into it, it's just, just talking to you and seeing it up close. I mean, I don't think it's an exaggeration, hundreds of hours, hundreds of emails. Um, you know, it's just, it's amazing to see the work that goes into it and I hope people enjoy it. So please go to the athletic and check it out. Okay. Big Ten. Wait, wait, one quick aside on this. Yeah. So it's it's late Tuesday night. This thing is going to run the next morning. And I have a bunch of videos that apparently haven't gone through or they're been shared with me. And I'm not sure if I can get them to one of our editors. Uh, it was interesting to like, we're on the road. I'm trying to, you know, we're taking a last brief family vacation before school ends. And I'm trying to tell my wife and trying to get like basically IT from her, help from her. And she's showing me how to take something to download it, to upload it, to let, to basically give it the permission so somebody else can access it. 
and then get it to them in a digestible format at like 1145 at night. Um, it's quite the, uh, quite the interesting experience on my end. I'm sure your editor, Jill thought appreciated that. Um, I just know this, that one of the editors who I was working with on the story, it wasn't Jill that like at that point, you know, I was like, you know what, it's a good thing. My wife is smarter than me. And, and this person was like, well, that makes two of you because I know how, I know that's what I know. I heard that's how it is in Stu's house too. So. <laughs> All right. Well, let's get to uh big 10 TV deal. The big news this week. Um, let's get to our guest. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. We are pleased to be joined now by John Oran from Sports Business Journal, the leading authority on all things sports business. And he broke the news this week about a a pretty significant milestone that ESPN will not be part of the next uh, Big Ten media deal that starts next year. First time in 40 years, they won't be showing Big Ten games. John, uh, first of all, thanks for coming on. And I'll ask you the same thing somebody asked me in my mailbag today. Wait, what is the main significance of We're making such a big deal of this. We all are. But what is the main significance of the fact that ESPN will not be part of the next deal? You know, I, for, for me, well, it's so funny. I, this, we could talk about this for an hour because there are so many different tentacles to, to this story. But for me, the uh, ESPN first started carrying um, Big Ten games in 1982, as you said in your intro, 40 years ABC, which is, of course, part of the ESPN family, uh, started carrying them back in 1966. So in my world of covering sports media, uh, these longstanding relationships, the, the idea of, of the Big Ten not being with ESPN is, is akin to, uh, you know, about a decade ago when Wimbledon left NBC after, you know, four decades and, and, and went to ESPN. I mean, we've been seeing ever since Fox... Uh, launched the Big Ten Network. The Big Ten has been started to associate with Fox a lot more than than ESPN. Uh, so, so you've been seeing that this sort of move happen. But still, uh, just the idea that that you know ESPN is no longer in with the big with the Big Ten, which it has a long relationship with, and also ESPN, which is really. Uh, I mean, they spend more money on the NFL, of course, but the, they have really set themselves up as the place to the uh, sports media place to go for college sports. And for them not to have one of the top two conferences is, you know, it, it's really it would have been unthinkable just a couple of years ago, I think. 
John, I got to be delicate as I say this, just as somebody who works for Fox Sports and also somebody who spent a long time working for ESPN. But Bruce, can I interrupt you for a second? Yes. You've never been known to be delicate. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm going to try to be here. All so, right, go ahead, go ahead. <laughs> so as Stu said, you you guys are the foremost authority on sports business. You know this landscape as well as anybody. So I would ask you this. Are you surprised that it's played out this way, knowing what you've seen coming in the last five, 10 years? No, that's, I mean, that's a good question. I, I, I think that you've, you've been, uh, I've been hearing, I mean, you cover this, the college beat as well as anybody, you've been hearing this as well. Inside uh, the uh, Big Ten offices, there, what, there's been a view of ESPN as being attached at the hip with the SEC. Uh, the ESPN owns the SEC network entirely. It uh, um, when it gets the, uh, the the package from CBS, that late uh, Saturday afternoon package, it's going to have every single SEC right. Um, and then on the other side of the coin, you have the ACC and other Southeastern Conference. You know, it, it has all the ACC rights. It owns the ACC network. Uh, and this is less about the ACC, but more. The Big Ten is a Big Ten. They don't want to play second fiddle to the SEC. And I think that they felt that they were they were second fiddle to the SEC um, at ESPN, and they wanted to blaze their own trail. And th- th- this is sort of how they did it. So I'm not overly surprised by it, but still just kind of like the, the cutting off of a 40-year history with ESPN. And I, I can't do the math off the top. I had 1966 with that ABC. Is, is, it's still sort of like a shocking development uh, to me but it's not overly surprising. You're right. So just as significant as the ESPN piece of this is that is the new partners that are coming on with the big 10 CBS, which is losing the sec game that they've had for so long uh, reportedly taking over the three thirty, or reportedly bringing the big 10 on instead in that three thirty Eastern window. And now NBC getting a primetime package. And so um, that leads to, Many, many questions, but my main one would be, obviously, NBC has a big investment in Notre Dame, has for a long time. Everybody's speculating Notre Dame might go to the Big Ten now. Is NBC's getting that primetime package possibly an, an, uh, something that would facilitate that? I don't think so. I'm curious to get actually your thoughts on this. Uh, uh, I, I don't see it that way. I think that it would facilitate perhaps re-engaging a you know, Notre Dame, Michigan game, uh, or, you know, uh, sort, sort of getting that coming back. But I, the, the thing that I'm looking at for Notre Dame is what, uh, what will their next TV deal look like? And if they are able to get, say, you know, $100 million a year, which I don't think is an absurd number, you know, why would you join a conference? Like you, you're able to stay independent, have some sort of relationship with one of the top three conferences in, in, in the country. And uh, what's their preseason rank now? I saw them in the, in the top five, I think. They're, mm-hmm. still, they're still challenging to be in the college football playoff. So, you know, it, it's hard for me if they're able to get that, uh, that sort of media money to see what the actual advantage is for, the, uh, for Notre Dame to, to join one of these conferences. Well, if they can get $100 million for seven home games, like, yes, absolutely. Oh, they have do it, do it, exactly. Yeah. But, so the, it was actually reported that they were looking for $75 million. And even that number, I, not being a sports media expert, thought that's insane. You know, it is, you know, you know, Fox is getting, or C, Fox and CBS are going to be with this Big Ten deal, are going to be getting 
probably every week, two top 25 teams playing each other, possibly even higher. That Notre Dame schedule, they'll have a couple, they usually have a couple games like that, but they also play Navy, they play Toledo, you know, you know, they, they, so, I mean, what does that say about the, how, how much the TV market numbers have just skyrocketed? And even, even, I mean, the Big Ten deal is only six years old. That a the Big Ten is going from 440 million a year to over a billion, Incredible. and now you're yeah. saying it's actually realistic Notre Dame to get that kind of number for their very small TV package. It's a very small TV package, but like if you use a comp of what ESPN is is going to pay for the SEC, and that's all that's all the number one game out of the SEC, and that's you know 300 uh, 300 million dollars for Bruce. How many games is is that generally? I mean, SEC, SEC, like 10 games. No, I think they're taking more than that. Yeah, Yeah, because. Includes the conference, the SEC championship game, of course. Yeah, and that's a huge ticket item. Plus, remember, you know, they were basically sharing a lot of the SEC games with with ESPN already. So now all of a sudden you're taking everything. Um, And as you said, you know, like Fox was not, I think Fox would have loved to have gotten in on that and never had, never really was able to get in on it. So I think, as you said, that was a, big first shoe to drop I, you know I, i'm curious and maybe you can explain this probably certainly better than Stu and i i think ken is in this time where you know subscribers have gone away i think Stu and i both are now youtube tv people you know and i i don't think either one of us expected that to be the case probably three years ago um it doesn't seem like a lot of people watch regular television right um is it is the the skyrocketing TV money in Europe, you know, for these deals, just because there is such a, a dramatic difference in the premium that's put on just live events more than ever before? Is that's what's what exactly do you think is driving this money? Yeah, it, uh, that, that's exactly it, it. It's it's right now in the TV business. It it is sports uh, and and live live news, uh, live sports, and for the live sports. It only goes down so far. So you're seeing this dramatic escalation for big brands. I hate to I hate to speak about teams as brands, but yeah, you know, I'm in the business. So big, we I mean, we I use that term too. I agree. Yeah. <laughs> They're teams. I'm a fan still. They're teams. But like Ohio State, Michigan, those are big. In fact, those are two big brands playing in a gigantic brand of a game, right? Um, and, and so if you look, and we do this, uh, we're, we're now doing it uh, pretty much monthly. The, the top 100 shows uh, in on television is dominated by live sports. It's a, well, well over 90% of the top shows every year is live sports. If you go back, uh, I think probably 10 years, it was at 75%. If you go back, you know, to when we were kids, it was, it, it didn't, it was a Super Bowl and, and pretty much nothing else. It did. It, it didn't really exist. Uh, so the, the, the TV networks, right now view live sports as their reason for being if they don't have live sports they're not going to have a business because i unlike you i am still a a cable subscriber and i'm a cable subscriber because i'm a big sports fan my wife is dying to get rid of cable and 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 cut the cord but you know i i have to watch the the local uh, regional sports network i have to watch the national games uh to be honest i'm a a, a maryland fan if uh if uh, my my cable system drops big 10 network i'm dropping the cable system you know so it's a uh, uh it's keeping people like me tethered which is keeping them in business pretty much so it is it's all about 
live sports being so much more important to the television ecosystem. It also seems like there's been a, a kind of a wild reversal over the span of a decade. If you think back to beginning of the 2010s, what a really big deal it was that ESPN got put the BCS and later the CFP on cable, not ABC, mm-hmm. that the NCAA tournament went into business with Turner. And well, to this day, some of the final fours are on TBS, not CBS. And now you look at the Big Ten deal, and they're putting all their best games on traditional over-the-air networks. Stu, even beyond that, I remember right, not long before I left ESPN, and this is about a decade ago, a little more than a decade ago, I remember one of the last meetings, like kind of all hands I went to, was in Bristol and John Skipper, and he had, um, I think it was the five big company initiatives. I don't remember what number it was, but one of the five big company initiatives was Longhorn Network. Uh, that's you know longhorn network i think grantland was on there i mean and you know it's i I don't remember what the others maybe espn deportes was on there but obviously the longhorn network is you know is getting blown out of there and just it's like Stu said i mean in some ways it feels like 50 years ago yes Stu, it's it's so right because you identified an actual trend in the business of uh they're gonna have you know, from noon until 11 p.m. at night, they're going to be on broadcast television, and that matters. Um, the NFL uh, it still prioritizes broadcast television. So, like, in 2030, we're still going to be able to watch most NFL games on broadcast television, and that, that that's uh, somewhat unique. But what, what makes it especially unique, and to, to bring it back to the, the, the Big Ten, is that Amazon did come in with a big bid and uh, and it, the the uh, conference is prioritizing the reach of broadcast television because everybody believed, myself included, that this trend of everything went to cable. Well, now everything's going to go to the deep pocketed Apple and, and Amazon. And I still think that that has a potential to happen, but it certainly is taking a lot longer and is going a lot slow, slower than, uh, than, than most people expected. Hey, John, one quick question on that, because you're way better positioned to answer this than Stuart. I did. Was it the MLS just did a surprisingly big money deal with, was it Amazon or Apple TV? It was with, with Apple TV and they took every single right. So they took the local rights. They took the national rights. They took the international rights. So Apple owns every all, all of those rights that it's going to go out and sort of sell a subscription to so why do you think that that deal was so attractive to mls compared to maybe some of the college sports uh entities seem to be seem to be a little hesitant to go jump in that pool uh because uh, i uh apple is paying at a minimum it's about uh, 250 million dollars a year for that deal and uh mls wasn't going to get anywhere close to that and uh going back to sort of uh, live sports being the linchpin for uh, for media, it's not all live sports. There's a there's a um, it's a kind of a blurry line between the haves and the have-nots now. And w- one of the uh, things that I, I can't answer, but I'm I'm reporting on and I'm really looking at is who is o- who who's with the NFL and the NBA and the SEC and the Big Ten, and who's with you know uh, something like you know MLS which wasn't getting it from uh, from traditional linear TV. Or if you take a look, even at that, the, the midweek baseball deals that went to a- Apple TV, you know, baseball certainly is over, is one of the haves, but there are certain packages that, you know, no national TV uh, network re- wanted. I was surprised, you know, Premier League just started. I'm not a huge soccer follower. And I was surprised to learn that, that it's on Peacock. I mean, 
when the original Ted Lasso ads aired like 10 years ago, it was to introduce the fact that Premier League was coming to NBC. And I, I guess I'm surprised that such an important property, arguably the most important property in the world, is okay with putting their best games on a streaming service. Well, they, they, they still are on uh, USA Network. So the, the, the first game of, uh, of the Premier League, uh, Arsenal Crystal Palace, was on uh, USA Network and actually got the second highest viewership there. So it's almost like if you're a real diehard fan, they're going to drive you to Peacock. But if right. you just want to get a taste of it, they're going to be on uh, they're going to have some on NBC and they'll have some on USA as well. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Okay, so back to college sports. Sorry for that quick detour. <laughs> so the Big Ten's about to finish this deal any, any day now. The Pac-12's up next. The Pac-12, you know, the 30-day exclusive window began. And after losing USC and UCLA, this is kind of a survival. This deal is now about survival. Does ESPN losing the Big Ten have a ripple effect on the Pac-12 negotiations? And the Big 12 after it, absolutely. Because uh, ESPN is out of the big 10, but it's, uh, as you well know, they're, they're not out of college sports. I mean, they, they have the exclusive deals with the sec and the ACC that go into, I think the ACC is 2036. Uh, and, and uh, the sec is 2030. Much to the chagrin of the <laughs> ACC schools. <laughs> you know, it, it is, but if you look back, I, I, I don't understand that because they were, they were begging ESPN to launch a network, which they did, you know, at, at the time. So, ESPN at, at the time they did that deal, it was a bigger risk for ESPN. They're launching a, a, a they're going to own their own network and launch a network as people are cutting the cord and 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 people and, and other uh, media companies are contracting their networks. There was a big risk for ESPN, and all of the schools kind of conveniently forget that and they think, oh, we got this bad deal. Uh, it was it was a pretty good deal at the time, I think, for the for the ACC. Um, but, but I have a question for you, uh, Bruce, because uh, uh, I think you know this better. Like, the, uh, what makes it so hard to handicap the Big 12 and the, and the Pac-12 is nobody knows what schools are going to be there and what schools aren't. I mean, we haven't seen the end of this, right? No, I mean, here's the tricky part. And, and Stu and I have talked about this offline a bunch and a little bit on the podcast is – especially as it relates to, you know, you talked about Notre Dame and, you know, we agree with that Notre Dame has, Notre Dame can do what it wants. It has leverage. The Big Ten, some of the people who are the presidents of the Big Ten, they may have interest in some high academic schools in the Pac-12, right? Stanford, Cal, um, they may have interest. And so if somebody reports, well, there's interest from the Big Ten, well, it can be true because some of the presidents individually may have it. The tricky part is the Big Ten you know, knows that its TV partners are probably not going to give them any money, more money. So it's like, you know, you're going to split your pie by two more because unless you're taking Notre Dame, you know, you're not getting, you know, much more of any more dollars. Right. So this, the, the aspect of does the PAC 12 or the PAC 10 as it is now stay intact. Um, and I, you know, Stu and I've talked to a bunch of ADs and a bunch of people around the PAC 12 who it's like, 
does it really benefit them if they stay intact? Anybody to think, well, we're better off in the Big 12 and the Big 12 is expanding already. And you wonder just from a geographic standpoint, you know, yeah, there's there's certain things that are appealing. But at, at the end of the day, to use the term used and we've we've used a lot too, brands, the Big 12 doesn't have them. Right. You know, Oklahoma State has been consistently good. But their TV numbers, as Stu has talked about ad nauseum and probably to his detriment <laughs> on social media, it's not it's hard for it to go anywhere. Right. And so I think that's the challenge. And then you also get into the aspect of this is good. This can be good financially for football. But now you're getting other sports that have to play in it for your John, for you as a Maryland guy. You know, yeah, I think, you know, it's it's a little bit unusual probably initially to get out of the ACC and to go play in the Big Ten. But geographically, it's not a dramatic difference. Whereas if you're talking about that trip to go from, you know, from Lubbock to Pullman, you know, Mike Leach did it, but it's like he did it once. You know, it's not like you're going to do this for, for women's basketball and softball and all these other sports. And it's all over the map. So I think as the Pac-12 schools are looking at it, and everything that those schools and their leadership has told us at the athletic is, you know, they've got, they've had offers and they basically forwarded them to their commissioner, George K who's like, you know, seeing it in real time. So my hunch is they do not, they do not move, you know, as it plays out with the TV landscape, unless something really forces them to, right. I mean, Stu, I don't want to speak for you. Yeah. But- the sense I get is none of them are looking to jump to the big 12. But if the Big Ten comes next week and and you know sweeps up Oregon, Washington, Cal, and Stanford, that changes the equation. But it just doesn't seem like it makes financial sense for the Big Ten to do because you know what? Yeah, I I agree with you totally, Bruce. Like it, it was so easy when Maryland and Rutgers entered the Big Ten. There was a, a a very easy reason for that. Like they they wanted to grow the Big Ten network and they wanted to get into the New York media market and the DC media, DC Baltimore media markets. Now, like the their cut uh, cord cutting is real. Big Ten Network's not going to grow. The idea of trying to get new TV markets, it's not that. It's like you said, it's like what schools fit how the Big Ten views itself. Yeah, the cultural, social, academic piece of it, where I think, yeah, they Stanford is an amazing school, right? I mean, uh, you know, I was talking to somebody in the middle of us here who's a Northwestern grad. Stanford would will go in there, and that's the most prestigious academic school in the Big Ten, right? Mm-hmm. So Cal is a great academic school. Um, but I just think that as much as the presidents probably love that, I think when they sit down and realize what the financial middle of this is, I mean, does that mean that you'd be going from – I don't know, $65 million a school to $56 million a school from the TV money per year. I don't know. I mean, that's, that is a significant difference. I mean, that's, I don't know if that's far off what they're, what they're getting now before the USC and UCLA stuff happens. I mean. Yeah. And, and then you can just never take into account the arms race. Like if the SEC in, increases, then, then they'll feel pressure at the big, uh, the big 10 to increase, I think. And, uh, but, but it's a, it's a different calculus now and the calculus is coming from sort of the head, the, the brain of, you know, Kevin Warren and the people around him. And so it's it's hard to say, like I said, it was very easy to say, OK, those are where the biggest media markets are. That's where they're going to that's where they're going to go. It'll be the Rutgers or UConn to try to get, you know, uh, right in there. Um, uh, and now it's a, it is totally different. Like I would think, you know, if if, if uh they were able to the Big Ten were able to get like a UVA or a UNC, you know those those would kind of fit how I view 
the Big Ten, but I'm not sure if that's who, how the Big Ten uh, um, officials view, view the Big Ten. I don't, well, I don't know what they're doing. That's how I viewed the Big Ten six weeks ago. Yeah. And then all of a sudden <laughs> yeah. they decided to add two schools that are nowhere near any of the other schools. Yeah. And, and it is, frankly uh we one of them is a, one of them is a superpower in terms of brand sure and it's yeah. the la market we we know why they did it but at the same time the idea that you're going to have two west coast schools and only two west coast schools i think is why there's a lot of oh it's only you know feeling of oh it's only a matter of time before they add more west coast schools the part well, i don't superpower get, in terms of brand i'm assuming you're talking usc on that yeah but, yeah, yeah. But ucla <laughs> is also also a big uh, like that's a big brand there. it is a big brand it's just in terms of football like i see this where you know if usc is playing somebody even when they've been awful and they they were really awful last year but people tune in to watch it's the helmets it's what it was not that long ago it is i don't want to say it's notre dame but there is a mystique and there's a lure there where Yes, UCLA has has an amazing history athletically. It doesn't have the same pull. You know, look, if they went 11 and 1 this year, it would certainly help, but they have been very average for a long time and I just don't think people look at them the same way as the football fan, you know, as a football fan. So, you know, are they did they have more appeal than certainly like a UVA? Yeah, I would think so, but it's, you know, if they don't have good years, it's not like people care about them. Whereas USC, it's just such a different dynamic with football than, than any of these other, you know, like outside of Notre Dame that they could talk to. Right. So here's the part I don't get. I don't, like Bruce said, I don't doubt that the, that the big 10 presidents are to some degree or another mulling Cal, Stanford, Oregon, Washington, and expressing interest and, but everybody, you know, but there's no rush that so you keep hearing. Oh, we'll take our time. There's no rush. If you were going to expand further, wouldn't you do it before you sign the TV deal? Like if let if they sign this TV deal next week, and then a month from now, hey, we're adding Oregon and Washington. What is it going to happen? They're just going to rip the contract that they just signed up. Now, I, I haven't seen uh, uh, this TV deal. It's not, it's not done yet. Um, but I, I, I and so it could be different. I don't know. I I don't know. All I know is that. With every other uh, TV contract in, in college, they contemplate schools uh, coming and schools leaving, and they derive some sort of mathematical formula. So, so nobody gets upset. So if two schools leave, they go, they get spreadsheets out, bring in the accountants, and that's how much more the uh, or that's how much less that the, the the networks would pay. If two schools come in, then you know they they do the math, and that's how much more they would pay. I would expect it would be the same thing here, given just how volatile college uh, college athletics are right now. John, I have one last question for you. It's a really stupid question, but I want to ask it. You God, I hope like, I can answer a stupid question. You cover uh, all sports and, and rights issues. Um, and I think back to the like this part, Stu and I, you know, we know we're in the media, but at the same time, we're like seeing what some of our friends are reporting and just kind of like, all right. Well, technically, I know there's wiggle room there because some, you know, I hear that these presidents have interest in these schools while you think that's not going to happen. It just seems like it's, you know, BS or whatever. But you know that there's like a modicum of truth, especially if, you know, the commissioner, Kevin Warren, kind of engages a little bit in a discussion. So I say that to get to this point because of the co- college president dynamic and because of maybe just how college sports work. Do you find that this is radically different? in terms of TV deals, the way they come together, the way they maybe get sorted out than they are with, with professional sports leagues? 
Uh, yeah, with professional sports leagues, you have you know uh, a decision maker and the people that report right into the decision maker. And here you have a decision maker, and then they have to get all the presidents on board, and uh, and, and that works. Um, it's very hard for um, uh, to, uh, try as I might. It's very hard for stuff to leak in, during professional negotiations because there are so few people. The second they start to go to the schools and start to talk, uh, like it, 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 it's it's so much more robust in, in college. So it, it it makes things a little bit different there. But um, uh, the TV executives, the, you know, they view college as you're it's you're a TV program, you know, and 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 they're going to invest in in the TV program in college football is, you know, you, you, the NFL is number one by far and college football is number two by far and, and not, nothing else is, is, is even close. And I think that what's unique about like, you know, the big 10, the big 10 deal and what makes this different than everything else is that we're all so focused as we should be as the networks are on uh, Fox is going to have noon, CBS is going to have 3.30 and NBC is going to have prime time. You know, what about basketball? What about women's sports? Those almost feel like add-ons. I'm a Maryland guy, so we're a basketball school, right? Like that, that's not an add-on. Am I going to have to watch Peacock? Like, I still don't know. Like, and, and, and those, are, those are questions that I have uh, uh, about that as well. And so that's what's sort of unique about this. When you do a, uh, an NFL deal, you're doing a deal for football in the NFL in the fall. When you're doing these college deals, it's year round. It's all these different sports, but football still is the one that sort of that runs everything. Yeah. Speaking of that, maybe you can speak to this, you know, college basketball, I know has faded a bit in popularity over the years, but certainly in our world, most people still pay attention to it. And yet I was just astounded by this little nugget I saw this week. So CBS, it's reported, you reported, I believe, that, that they're going to pay $350 million for one Big Ten football game a week. CBS currently pays $10 million a year total for its entire Big Ten basketball package. How can there be that wide a discrepancy? Uh, it, 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 it's incredible, isn't it? They're going to pay a lot more because they're, they're getting the 35 uh, times more for football <laughs> for the football going in. I feel bad. I, I you know what? I do feel a little bit bad for, uh, for CBS because when you compare the financials to what ESPN is paying the SEC to bring that package over uh, to what now they're paying for, you know, the second or third package for the, uh, for the big 10, um, I, I mean, you you guys remember the SEC was never going to renew with CBS. I mean, they, they were always going to, uh, to 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 ESPN. So it's it's kind of a a, a bad comparison there. I, I I think, or it's not a bad. It's a it's a legit comparison. But I, I feel bad for CBS because like it's not as though they could have offered what ESPN was offering, and the SEC would have said, okay, yeah, we'll stay with you. I mean, they were gone in my opinion. It, it, it does. It seems almost like the SEC may cost itself some money by not. I mean, why not they can't open this up to bidding and look what they're getting. The well, SEC forget opening like, up, forget opening up for bidding. Just wait. Look, like, if they went to market yeah. now, what what, what do you? They went to market four years too early. Yeah, totally, absolutely. They're they're doing that sort of deal. That was a great deal for ESPN, in my opinion. Real quick, you know, as Bruce mentioned, I'm taking a lot of flack from Big Twelve Twitter because I keep writing these articles that show that either show stats that the remaining Pac-12 schools in, you know, across the board or, or more viewed 
than Big 12 schools, remaining Big 12 schools. But also that's flat out what the ADs are telling us, right? That they're not looking to jump to the Big 12. Um, and one of the reasons that I've been told that the Pac-12 is more valuable slightly is because they can play at 1030 Eastern. That final, that final w- window. That's absolutely true. Yeah. Now that is something the Pac-12 fans hate. They hate playing in those games. But is it a stretch to say that's actually kind of their calling card is they try to recover without USC and UCLA? I don't know if I, I don't know if it's their calling card. I, I I still think that the Pac-12 has has big brands that TV companies want. Uh, you know, you you mentioned Stanford, you know, Stanford, Cal, uh, Oregon, Washington, Arizona. I, I think that there there's still some pretty big brands there that that work on 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 television. So I I wouldn't say that's the reason for being, but that is certainly some, something that makes them more attractive than not. Despite the fact, because this is what really the big 12 fans are really hung up on the big, the big 12, like Oklahoma state is just a flat out better football program than Cal, right? Baylor has been to four new year, six bowls this decade. Arizona, uh, Arizona state zero, but that, 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 that just, at the end of the day, that doesn't matter. It doesn't matter yet. I mean, it, 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 it could matter in, in a decade or so, but right. right I mean, the, 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 the uh, TV executives are very good, good about, they look at ratings, they look at numbers and, and, uh, and sort of move forward on, on that basis. It can always change, you know, as, as, uh, you know, somebody gets good ratings can come back down and, and, and vice versa, but you know, it's, it's generally a pretty easy thing. John, we appreciate you joining us. Hey, but before I go, can I ask one local question to you guys? Uh, Is this about Kevin, Kevin Willard? Should I, should I be excited for him? Yeah, I mean, it's funny. Like one of uh, my TV bosses loves him. Um, thought he was great. You know, I don't know if that just means he's a good guy to have beers with, or he's gonna he's gonna get you going again. I don't know. Is uh, is Van Pelt feel, buying in? That's my probably my. <laughs> We're That's all true. buying in. You got to buy in. I mean, Bruce works with someone at Fox, and I used to work with him as well. Who is the biggest Seton Hall fan on the planet? And he's a Kevin Willard guy, right? Oh yeah, he loves Kevin Willard. Oh, if you went to Seton Hall, yeah. you got to be. Yeah, the, talk about a hard place to win. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> sorry, I didn't mean to hijack. Thanks for having me on, guys. Thanks right, for going always, on, John. Uh, we encourage you to follow John. His uh, Twitter handle is Oran, O-U-R-A-N-D underscore S-B-J um, for all things media, not just college sports. So, John, we appreciate you doing this today. Really enjoyed this. Thanks. Well, it'll be really interesting to continue to watch the dominoes. First, we need them to actually officially announce this deal. I'm really fascinated to see the details about who's showing what and when. And then, obviously, we will wait to see the ripple effects from there. Um, unfortunately, we did not get to emails this week. Send your questions to the audible pod at gmail.com and we will see you next time.